You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about the gap in mental health services. This week, we read a closer look at the mental health provider shortage published in Counseling Today 2023. I think that as we go through um, all of our topics for today, one of the things that is interesting is I think all of us have experienced this rush of having too many clients or not Mm -hmm. in like I can't fit them all in. And we've also experienced times where we're like, oh, I have some space in my schedule. Uh-huh. But are we finding the clients that need the help? I mean, there's it, that's an interesting beginning part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think our first topic is limited resources. Okay. Um, and so what's limited? What are we talking about? I think like globally speaking or just within our country, mental health is not necessarily, it does not have a big earmark for budgets that hit whether okay. it's at the state level so, or the federal level, wherever. It's not financially prioritized? Correct. Okay. So um, in situations where it is available, like you and I talked about school counseling. Right. That, uh, and kind of compared, actually, to a mm-hmm. school situation, that our, that our government prioritizes education, and so it's available to right. kids mm-hmm. um, without cost. But counseling... It is, but it's pretty limited. So right. in, in the United States, um, in a school that um, has kids, what, maybe if we said fifth or sixth grade and under, so an elementary okay. school. And so those kids are like, uh, what, 11, 12 11. and under. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it might have, I mean, how many kids are in the elementary school your kids go to? 720. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yep. About, about 700. And how many school counselors does the school have? Uh, we just got approved for a second one because we went yeah. over 700. Right. right. <laughs> so, well, I mean, then limited financially because there was a limit in how many counselors you could hire, but then it means that there's a limit in how many hours. Correct. They right, are available. Per, right. right. So the, if, you know, 40 divided by mm-hmm. just under 700. Right. I mean, how is that going to really work? Right. Then we're not really prioritizing mental health or um, providing it in a way that would have a very big impact, at least at school. At least in the school setting, right. Right. But you and I thought of that as one example, but certainly there are others that um, in hospital settings or uh, the community setting that there's just not nearly enough funding to make available, make mental health services available to the number of people that they're trying to serve. Right. They can't serve the population as a whole. Mm -hmm. And then also looking at, we can't get the, um, like sometimes you're limited, right? Even if you have insurance, even if you have a great situation, you're then limited to, right. You know, well, um, oh, the other examples we thought of were EAP programs, which stands for employee assistance program. So, if in the United States, if you work for a company um, that, that a large enough company, so not a, a tiny one, but a company that I think it's uh, 10 or 12 10. employees or mm-hmm. more, then they're required by the federal government to offer an employee assistance program, which includes mental health services, but it's really limited. So it's Very still limited. just 
six sessions, I think in a year. Right. Or it might be six sessions per situation, which is a little tricky. And I think some of them are different, right? Every program is written different. Um, And then also, I don't, did we say, I don't know if we said this out loud or if I just thought of it. Um, In the university setting, universities are required to give students a certain amount of counseling, but that's also very limited. Right. So uh, similar to an EAP, if a student has a concern, I think that they can access six sessions per school year per situation. Right. So um, their parents get divorced. Right. Six sessions. Right. They, you know. Go through a breakup. Right. Six yeah. sessions. Something right. like that. So, um, but still pretty limited. So mm-hmm. if this is, uh, if, it, if counseling is something that you're needing or wanting long term, an EAP or a university setting isn't yep. the place where you could get that. Right. And, and a school, a pr- right. like an elementary or primary school is also not the place where you're going to get that type of mental health support. Right. So it's limited, limited right. resources. Um, Heather, the next point was mental health providers don't make enough money. Right. Straight across mm-hmm. the board. I think especially when you look at like what reimbursement rates are, if you do work at an agency or if you work in insurance things, um, you're going to make less than if you are private mm-hmm. pay. Not always, but there is that gap again of. Well, yeah. I, th- I think, um, to me, if I look at all people who provide mental health and, you know, the average income, um, the amount of time and energy and money we put into becoming credentialed oh, absolutely. doesn't make up for the amount of money we end up making in our career. Right. So um, you and I also talked about that in the United States, it's now standard that a counselor at a master's degree level the master's level programs for counselors are 60 credit hours. Right. Which is long. It's a lot. Yeah. It's I more mean, than a lot of other masters. Right. A lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. What is an MBA? Maybe like 25. No, oh, I think it might be closer to 30. But Okay. 30. Yeah. But I still mean, half as many. Right. I mean, that's. So half huge. as much money. Right. And half as much time. Correct. Um, and then, I don't know, in sup- as you're supervising people, how many of your supervisees know that when they finish school, They've got at least 18 months of being provisionally licensed. Right. They need super, they need, they mm-hmm. probably will end up paying for supervision mm-hmm. during that time. And while they're provisionally licensed, they probably will not make the full amount of money that they can make as a, I mean, their, their, their uh, income is definitely limited. Right. I actually just interviewed a new supervisee recently or mm-hmm. rather she interviewed me uh-huh. um, and we were talking and she asked about my rate for, or she didn't even think there was a rate for supervision. And so I clarified cause she never asked. Yeah. And so I felt like I needed to like put it out yeah, there. Sure. And she was shocked and needed to think about that and it took her about two weeks and she got back to me. She said, okay, I reworked the numbers. This is what I can pay per month. Is that how much I'll be paying? I mean, she needed the number locked in. It was yeah. like, this is what I need to know. I'll be paying you, sure. you know. So, I mean, she, on a tight enough fixed budget right. that it was important to her that she knew exactly how much she would be spending. Right. Ahead of time. Yeah. I mean, but that makes so much sense that she didn't know because in school, it's absolutely not expected that you're paying for right. supervision because you're right. paying for school. You do not, the university so does not, right. right. They don't expect you to pay. So, Right. That's totally an unexpected Mm -hmm. expense for some people. Mm -hmm. So you just got out of school. You're probably owing some money for having been in school. Mm -hmm. And now you need to pay more money to reach this goal and be able to make the full, you know, your full income potential. 
and you don't get to do that right of way. Right. So I think those are challenges to, I mean, then what kind of salary does meet the needs of people who are trying to do this if they've got student loans, exactly. other expenses right. included in trying to get their license, maintain their license, um, then we're not paying them enough. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. And then you've got people that just get in that spiral of like not ever being able to quite get like above mm-hmm. water. If they're mm-hmm. paying for their loan and they're paying for supervision and then they finally launch into the world and think that like now they can charge a little bit more per client. Right. It's like, does that even really reach right. the. I think it's been a while now. So the numbers have changed, but not dramatically. Um, I think the last time I taught like internship, an internship section where the students were graduating and finishing mm-hmm. and. I wanted to know, but the university wanted to know what their plans were, right. what they would be doing right. after graduating. And there were a lot of them that once they realized what they would be making right out of school, were really struggling to decide if they would continue mm-hmm. as counselors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What do you think? What are alternatives to someone who's got a counseling degree, but realizing the cost to be fully licensed or, or maintain it? Is yeah. is just too big or too much, and 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 they don't want to make the amount of money that a counselor would make. Right. What do you think they could do instead? Um, I know of actually one situation like that, and she immediately jumped into human resources. Oh, and it was a good fit for her because it was a lot yeah. of still yeah. problem solving and different things like that. Um, that worked out very well for her. She mm-hmm. still works in human resources, like a decade later, and mm-hmm. she's super happy about it. But. She obtained great skills to be able yeah. to kind of like negotiate between employers and employees for what needed to happen. Right. But nowadays, that's a whole, there actually is a category that's being more and more developed for human resources with the uh, master's in organizational development yes. and all of that. It's yeah. like now there's even that spinoff. So it might uh-huh. be hard to attain those jobs yeah. with just a yeah. counseling degree. Yeah. Um, we didn't even talk about this, but the uh, the average salary of a University professor in a counseling department oh. <laughs> is worse, right. is lower than, what can, than a yeah. mental health. Right. right. So out of school, a handful of years, maybe five to seven years out of school, mm-hmm. you're probably making more than your professors. Were. Right. That, that, that there's our system is very, very, yeah. very messed up. So mental health professionals are not making enough right. money. Um, and our next point was then we quit. Right. <laughs> um, but we did. You and I did say that. Certainly, that is a definite reason that people are quitting. Um, but what are some other reasons that mental health professionals might get into the profession and then quit? I think it can be anything and everything from their own stuff gets triggered if they haven't done oh, their work. Yes. Like they're yeah. like, okay, this is too much. I can't do this. Forget mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, you know, some people can go through a counseling program and get great grades and just not be a people person. 
And if, right. you know, Na- so the natural skill that you can't teach right. some people, they just flounder and then mm-hmm. it's not for them mm-hmm. because they don't like that. Mm-hmm. Ha- um, how many people have you known maybe in school or once you're supervising them that they weren't a natural fit for counseling and they did ultimately quit? I don't know that I've known it too many of them. It seems like uh-huh. I get a lot of stories from my supervisees. They're oh. like my friend from school gave up, oh. or my, you know, like, well, that's really encouraging, actually. I think that so the gatekeeping involved there that should be happening at schools is sometimes happening in right. schools. Right. That either the student realizes this is not a good fit for me, or the university helps them to see right. this is not a good. Fit. And then I've had other, um, just know of other situations where people are really great counselors, maybe in a very specific, geared area. Mm-hmm. The one mm-hmm. I'm thinking of right now is one of um, our local agencies that does strictly CBT work, and it's workshop based and it's like here's you're in week two and here's your curriculum mm-hmm. and that's a very different kind of counseling yes but again i don't know that you're going to make any more money doing that i think it's just a, a fit thing yeah. i would guess i mean me as a person i would get burnt out on that so fast it would just different personality person, yeah, though exactly i mean there might be somebody who thinks this is heaven right i just so easy i just show up of... and i give these things right and... <laughs> yeah um i mean i i think part of my reason behind the even doing the podcast is that I think people quit when they feel unsupported and disconnected. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And supervision gives that to us. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, you and I have talked about it probably not while we're being recorded that marriage and family therapists and uh, professional counselors really emphasize the value Mm -hmm. of supervision, Mm -hmm. but not all mental health professionals do. Right. Um, I think that that is one of the strengths mm-hmm. of counseling and, mm-hmm. and their and uh, therapists, the profession of therapists is that we do emphasize that. I think it helps maintain people. Right. And it gives you all that networking and all the different yes. places to go like, oh, my supervisor didn't know who I should talk to about play therapy, mm-hmm. but he had someone in his pocket that was like, hey, you need to call this person and talk, you know, and there was right. different things to talk about. Yeah. So, um, well, what, what, a point we didn't make, which I think also is why it's so important to be connected, is we deal with difficult things. We oh, deal with big yes. topics. Right. And I think it's especially hard if you feel disconnected or alone mm-hmm. when that's what you hear and what you're doing each day right. without having camaraderie. Correct. I think that's so, so important. I have an ongoing joke with my husband because he works in the world of finance and it, it I know that his work is hard and he does big things and helps mm-hmm, people all day mm-hmm. long, but it is such a different kind of help. Yes. That when he's like, Oh, this person today complained about this and this. And I'm, I just laugh because I'm like, Oh, okay. Like that's the level of like engagement yeah. he had. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm not even going to discuss what I just did for the last four oh, hours. Yes. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. That um, it's it, certainly his job is stressful, but right. In a ours different is in a, way. Yeah. Yes, stressful in a different way. Um, so with lack of support, lack of interaction with other people, this is a hard job to maintain for a right. long time. Right. To keep to keep not just to start, but to continue to do to work at. So as a profession, we quit. Right. One, I think this is one of the professions, and I know the medical field's also this way, but mm-hmm. there's not a lot of other professions that man, you have to stay on your game. 
Like things yeah. change overnight. Yeah. You have to be current with whatever's happening. You have to be mm-hmm. very aware to the world around you. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot that goes into our job that isn't just in the room counseling uh-huh. people. Uh-huh. Okay, so on top of all of those challenges, there is an overwhelming increase in need right now. Our world is broken. Yeah. What would, what do you, could you attribute the increase in need to a couple of things or it's many, many things? Well, I think it's many things, but I will say, so we went from a place in mental health where like it was shameful and people didn't talk about it Mm -hmm. to a, it's okay to have a counselor. It's good for Uh you. Like Uh that, which is a great, I mean, that is a positive thing, Uh but with that, just that shift came the need for more counselors because you all of a sudden made it okay. (laughs) Destigmatizing, right. Making it more acceptable, more accessible. Right. Which means that we've increased. Right. And theoretically that's been over like a decade, right? Sure. It's a long time coming, but then you take on all the social things that have happened in the United States climate. Um, and really, it could go across any state, right? We could mm-hmm. talk about any particular state having their crisis moments or their issues. And I think you throw COVID on top of that. It was mm-hmm. the great magnifier of problems that were already existing. Mm-hmm. And so I think lots of th- people got to their breaking point. Yeah. I think, the, to me, as you were saying that, I thought those feel things not are not completely specific to the United States, but feel pretty specific to the United States. The way that COVID impacted us and also really doesn't matter what, you know, what side of the line you're on, the dynamics of our politics are divisive and Mm -hmm. stressful. Right. Um, And so those two things. What about um, overexposure? Oh, that feels global. That feels global. That um, overexposure to media, news, Mm -hmm. each other. Right. Just can't possibly process all of the mm-hmm. things you're taking in. Mm-hmm. And then it's just continuous. Right. And then throw in just a normal like relationship blip and all of a sudden right. it's more. Like, can you imagine if you had been a teenager with a cell phone that had the internet? I know. Like, wow. Just constant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like it when my right. phone <laughs> gives me little notifications, the news thing that oh, happens. Yeah. On, right. I wish I knew how to turn that off. Um, I should turn it off today, uh, where you just get that. Right. You're like, stop. I didn't want to know. Right. Right. Whatever the breaking news is, mm-hmm. you get that a little beep on your phone. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Right. Especially if I'm, you know, doing something and I'm not looking at my phone. And then it gets so your attention. Right. Yes. I'm like, oh, there's a right. wildfire somewhere. And right. It's just, yeah. Um, but I know how to manage that a little bit better than the 12 year old that just got a new phone. Right. It's like super obsessed with being able to do their own thing on their own device. And yeah, Mm -hmm. scary. Um, Any other, so politics, um, natural disasters, I would include COVID Mm -hmm. um, overexposure, um, destigmatization of mental health. You think of other things that have increased the need in mental health? Um, I think it's also a, so yes, we've made it okay or good to have. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit, but I think we've also made it in some circles like knowing what your label is gives you an identity. It's yeah. almost like done. We almost did. We went too far with uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Like, yes, be aware of your mental health. And then the next step in some circles is like, yeah. here's my list of labels. This is what I am. Right. Then everyone has a right. mental health concern. Right. That is tricky. I mean, it's, um, we, I mean, we wanted to rock the boat mm-hmm. and, and destigmatize mental health. Right. Um, but, but then how do you, is there, is it possible for it to go too far? Right. 
I don't know. I can give you an example of teenagers talking and I'm covering it up. I have my own teenager. But recently I heard two teenagers or I heard a mom and a teenager talking and the mom said, oh, I really like Susie. She's uh-huh. so, you know, she's such a positive influence. And the kid responded with, well, yeah, she goes to therapy. Like, mm. so that's great, right? Like, uh-huh, you're like, uh-huh. oh, how refreshing. Yeah. But like, that's a qualifying factor of like, that now makes that, the kid's good because they go to therapy. It then pushes that uh-huh. like, need over the top. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, like it's um, like a fad or the right pair right. of shoes. Oh, right. or the exactly. thing, Like, like hmm. yeah. What yeah. therapist do you see? where where's your where's your office right i do think i mean and maybe i have felt like that has some to do with where my office is but i see kids that they will sometimes say i mean i like to the a friend right oh i can't do that today have therapy right and you're right no one blinks you know no one bats an eye um because that kid has their the other kid has therapy on a different day Mm um yeah so i don't know what what I think it, we're in a funny place of stigmatizing mental health and right. destigmatizing mental health. It's very polarizing. Uh-huh. Um, the last point in our article is we're old. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in relationship, why is there a gap in mental health services? Because we're old. I think right. that goes back to quitting and we're not making enough money that um, if people are quitting and they're not making enough money or this is a difficult right. profession to be in long term. Right. Uh, and that, so fewer people are entering Correct. the field of mental health. Mm-hmm. And then as a group, we're all getting older. Right. Then there are going to be people that are leaving the field, not because not just because there's not enough money in it right. or it's difficult, but because they're getting closer to retirement age. Right. And I think that's a, a huge piece of it. Mm-hmm. Is we're not bringing in the amount of people. Uh-huh. That- so if for every year, this is how many leave the field, there's not an equal or greater number of people entering the field. Yeah. And we've kind of almost harmed ourselves by making it so different, right? Like, so all the different mental health providers that uh-huh. are there, uh-huh. not, all, not all of them are licensed mental health providers. <laughs> Some of them are just like providers. And if you don't get the right one in the course of, I mean, this could be a whole nother podcast, but if you're just seeing somebody that maybe isn't the right fit and you're bouncing around, well, that person maybe isn't there when you call them back three years later, right? Like they've Mm -hmm. retired and moved on and then you're starting your process all over. I do. One thought I had about the idea that as a profession, we're getting older. I don't know if, I mean, you, when you worked with insurance, if you ever noticed this or this affected you with the area that my office is in limited uh insurance yes. insurance companies limited mm-hmm. and now they're they've they've wised up they're they're uh getting with it now mm-hmm. insurance companies were limiting the number of providers in certain areas because they felt like it was oversaturated but they also weren't keeping up their database and so right. they weren't keeping track of how many of right. those people had retired or quit practicing right. so there might be an oversaturation according to their database but actually mm-hmm. there weren't enough providers in the area because as they were getting older they were right not getting taken off the the well, list and it was i mean that even the notion that there would be a limited number per zip code per insurance is silly um yeah. my office changed probably 7 years ago Five years ago, I don't remember, but um, we changed um, counties. Mm-hmm. 
guess what? All of a sudden you could get into like every yeah, insurance yeah, thing yeah. because you switched county. And I'm yeah. like, that's just a little bit ridiculous yeah. that it's that, you know, and, and here in Texas, counties are small in other, right. in other parts of True. the United States, counties are very big. Yeah. 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 It's a complicated system. So right. the way, uh, the, the way system it, behind what, the system, right. Yeah. The way it was being used and complicated to update it and make, actually make it work and fit for right. each area. Um, but one, one of the issues with that was that as the, the group, as a group, mental right. health providers were getting older and retiring and, uh, the other systems involved right. weren't keeping up. Right. We just didn't, that was mm-hmm. like an old system. Mm-hmm. not going to look at it. Um, so there's a lot of things that need attention or, or could yeah. use some work here. Absolutely. Um, maybe, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of bummed out. Um, <laughs> maybe we could think of something that at our level as practitioners, what, what is it that we are capable of doing that makes an impact in this? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think that needs to be thought about longer. I don't know that I have anything off the top of my head. Yeah, it's a tough one. Maybe something to think about. Right. Uh, well, we would love to hear ways that you think that you might make an impact on some of these issues. Um, and as always, we'd love to hear your suggestions uh, for future topics. And thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision.